Hey everyone, welcome to Boba Talk, where we deconstruct the history of the Pacific War, one boba at a time. Mm-hmm. We love making the past relevant, and we hope to do that in today's discussion on women and war. But first, let's introduce ourselves. So, Pacific Atrocities Education. Um, all of us speaking to you, there's three of us in our room right now. There's me, Naomi. And Alexa. And Hannah. And we all work um, as interns for Pacific, Pacific Atrocities Education. And you guys want to talk about what PAE is? Yeah, so PAE, or Pacific Atrocities Education, is a nonprofit here in the Bay Area. And our mission is to educate the public about the atrocities that were committed in the Pacific Theater or the Pacific War during World War II. And, you know, it's not really something that people really talk about when they they talk about the Second World War. Mostly, it's uh, towards sort of more of a Western perspective, but we're here to change all of that. We like to talk about contemporary issues surrounding human rights, and we want to tell people's stories that are left untold. Yeah, so we have a bunch of blogs. We have a lot of resources and educational um, topics you can discover on our website, pacificatrocities.org. So go on over and visit us for more info. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take some time to talk about ourselves. (laughs) So I'm Naomi. I grew up in Oakland, California, and I love Pacific Atrocities because it's great for me to learn about a lot of the history of my own family and my own ancestors, but also just anybody and everybody's history is important and it should be validated and not erased. And in our American system, educational system, unfortunately, we don't always get to listen in on all these stories, and there's a lot that needs to be learned. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And my name's Hannah. I'm also an intern here at Pacific Atrocities Education, and uh, I study history at uh, university, and something that I've always been sort of consistently shocked by is why didn't I learn about this earlier Uh, and so I think it's really important that there are organizations like PAE uh, to have this mission to sort of unveil uh, histories or narratives that are often neglected and you know history and knowledge is power and once you sort of understand these narratives of history that happened um, you can do things to prevent them from happening in the future or to have people be recognized Um, So, yeah. I'm Alexa, and I grew up in the Bay Area. I'm a student and a communications intern at PAE, and I wanted to expand my horizons and understanding on history, and this is the perfect place to do it. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, for today's episode, we're going to be talking about women in war. And specifically, we're going to be talking about women during World War II, including stories from the Philippines Resistance, the American Front, and the Women Air Force Service Pilots Program, or WASP. So how do you guys think this impacts women, and what narratives are we used to seeing about women? How about women of color in our educational system? Well, personally, I felt that a lot of this has been left out of the textbooks I've read and learned in school, and I think it's really important that people like us are here to identify history like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think when um, you have narratives about people of color, specifically women of color, you're sort of helping a society function today by sort of healing the wounds of the past and making sure that everyone understands this history. You can understand like current tensions and current uh, disenfranchisement that continues today. And you just have, you're just more um, aware of things and you're able to sort of make the necessary changes needed in your society today. 
Cool. So I'm going to quickly outline what we're going to do for today's episode. Um, we're going to first do a deep dive into the topic of Chinese American female air pilots. But if you want to read more about our research, you can definitely check out our website, pacificatrocities.org, again, for more info. We're also going to do some an- question and answers from our viewers on this topic and even have a conversation surrounding the history of women in war and how it influences us today. And to end, we're going to quickly talk about some current news and touch on some of the happenings in our local Bay Area communities. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to start with the deep dive. Uh, and when it comes to thinking about the war in the Pacific, women are often seen as the victims, civilians who fell victim to the wrath of the Japanese army. But the same narratives can be applied to the United States. So, ladies, when was the last time you saw women of color being representative in narratives about the Second World War? Never. Yeah, literally never. Mm-hmm. And it's really surprising because um, for me, I'm a first-generation-born um, Asian-American, and my family are all immigrants from mostly the Vietnam War, and that was not very long ago, and it's surprising to me because that's in my family and in my blood, yet I never really learned about it in school, and it's always kind of the American or the Western perspective, mm-hmm. and that kind of sucks because you grow up wanting to hear those stories, and it's very traumatic to hear it from your family, so it's even worse that you don't get to listen about it, listen to it at school. So. Yeah, right, and I also think, like, there are so many, like, fiction books, movies that come out every year about World War II, but it still doesn't sort of have the knowledge that we know today. Like, they still don't talk about the Pacific War, and they still don't talk about the experiences of women or women of color. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. Okay, so this story is all that uh, destroys sort of all the myths of of women of color and what they were doing during the war. The stories about Chinese American women female service pilots. Uh, There was an organization in the United States called WASP, which is like the insect, except it is not going to sting you. And it stands for Women Air Force Service Pilots. This organization was cooked up by Eleanor Roosevelt and the aviator Jacqueline Crochian, I think, at the beginning of the Second World War. They wanted women to be involved in the war, not just on the home front, but actually on the front lines. So this idea wasn't new. By 1941, the British were using female pilots to ferry aircrafts, which means returning a plane to its Air Force base. There's actually a great novel called Codename Verity, which is all about one British woman doing this job, but I digress. So the United States first formed WAFs, not nearly as a fun acronym, and it stands for Women's Auxiliary Firing Squad and WUFD, Women's Flying Training Detachment. So two very complicated, very unfun acronyms, but the U.S. did um, consolidate these two uh, in 1943 with WASP. And that's only one year after the U.S. entered World War II after the bombing of Pearl Harbor in 1942. So, like most instances in America, race quickly became an issue. Would WASP be like other aspects of the U.S. military, segregated by race, or would they even allow women of color to enroll? The majority of women were white in WASP, but there were a few women of color, particularly Chinese-American women, and they will serve as our focus for today. Uh, We're going to be talking about two women, Hazel Ying McGee and Maggie Gee. 
Hazel Ying McGee was the first Chinese-American woman to fly in the U.S. She grew up in Oregon and worked as an elevator operator in order to save for flying lessons. After she learned to fly, McGee traveled to China where she hoped they would let her fly professionally, but she was rejected and forced to work a desk job. When she did return back to the U.S. in 1942, she joined WASP and was able to fly planes. However, in 1944, she tragically died in an aircraft collision. Then we have Maggie Yee, and she had a really rough go of it. Her father died of a heart attack after her family lost their savings in the stock market crash of 1929. Gee dropped out of college to work as a draftsman for engineers and factories until she could also save enough money for flying lessons. So important to note that both of these women paid for flying lessons on their own, killing it. Dang. She then applied for the WASP training program and flew planes throughout the war. Now. What is most uh, shocking about these amazing stories is that WASP served alongside men who were in active service. They did the same jobs, yet they were not considered part of the military until the 1970s. But even then, WASP was not thanked or commemorated for their service until President Obama awarded them the Congressional Gold Medal during his term. And that's our crash course. Uh, check out our website, pacificatrocities.org, for more information. So, ladies, what did you think about that giant blurb of information I just said? <laughs> oh, my God. So much respect for Hazel and Maggie. They went through so much and still um, still wanted to be air pilots in such a hard time to be air pilots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was actually pretty disappointing that they weren't recognized for their efforts until very later on when they were just as much a part of it as the men were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So something that I still wanted to know is were there any like forms of activism that existed to get these women acknowledged by the U.S. military? Well, Hannah. In 1941, Jacqueline Cotran, a well-known aviator of the time, and General Hap Arnold of the Army Air Corps, tried to get women included in the U.S. Army Air Force for a while. The bill H.R. 4219 to make WASP Air Force was denied despite strong efforts. Mm -hmm. In 1944, WASP was dispersed because they were not needed. Arnold, one at the time who recognized the women for their efforts by saying, when we needed you, you came through and have served most commendable under very difficult circumstances. But now the war situation has changed and the time has come when your volunteer services are no longer needed. The situation is that if you continue in service, you will be replacing instead of releasing our young men. I know the WASP wouldn't want that. I want you to know that I appreciate your war service and the AAF will miss you. It wasn't recognized until 1977 that the WASP played a role in the armed forces. Pretty disappointing. So, what do you guys think of that? Well, something that I find really interesting is the idea of like, okay, you did your job, men are back, and it's time to step aside. And that's actually a tactic many governments in the West utilized after the First World War and the Second World War to push women out of the workforce. These women didn't want to leave work, but they were sort of pressured that it was their duty as a woman to let go of their jobs. Okay, Hannah. I'll give it to you. That was a pretty good deep dive, but you did forget two important people. I always do. <laughs> All right. Dora Doherty and Dorothea Johnson Mormon were the first to test fly the Boeing B-29 Bomber Super Fortress at AAB Clovis in New Mexico, despite men refusing to because they thought it was too dangerous. The two women completed the mission and landed perfectly, even when the engine was on fire mid-flight. 
They are the sole reason that anyone eventually agreed to fly the planes. If you can take one lesson out of what you've learned so far, it's that there are some pretty badass women that seem to be mm -hmm. left out of history. Mm -hmm. Why do you guys think it was left out of most of our history lessons growing up? I think a lot of it is like kind of the pride that's inherent and especially a lot of like the Western society where it's like if men can do the job then why give it to women and it's kind of that pride that a lot of people hold and we've had such like a historical like reputation of it and I think right. like when you see women coming in and being able to take your jobs and be able to do what you can do and sometimes even better um, it's kind of just like a shameful type of thing to them but I don't think that should be a problem at all. If we can do it, why not? So Yeah, I also think of the saying, like, history is when it, uh, written by the victors. So when you think of, like, the men who still hold a lot of power over women, uh, it's them who are sort of dictating which historical characters should be relevant in our history. And so maybe if there were way more women, especially women of color, in leadership roles and in governmental roles, perhaps our history books, you know, would look a little different. I agree. Mm -hmm. So, on to our questions. Mm -hmm. So, how did women originally get involved with the fairing aircraft in the war, and who was the first? Well, Nancy Harkin Love and Jacqueline Crochin, a well-known aviator who fought for women's rights to be a part of the Air Force, were the original women to try and break barriers. Uh, but something that I still have a question about is, like, why was fairing aircrafts considered women's work? Like, wasn't it dangerous? What do you guys think? Kind of what Naomi said earlier. It's just that people thought that it's just a, it's been lasting a long time, just the idea that since men, just everyone thinks men can just do it better, and that's not always true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, we have another question. Who was the first woman and Chinese-American woman to fly in the U.S. military? Hazel Ying Lee. She flew fighter planes such as the P-63 King Cobra and provided planes to allies under the Lend-Lease program. She was also the first woman to die in service in the United States, landing her plane at a base while another plane collided into hers. Mm. I also think, like, this is such a big deal. Like, everyone knows who Amelia Earhart is, but Hazel Ying Lee and also Bessie Coleman, who was the first African woman, African-American woman pilot. I really think their names should be enshrined next to Amelia Earhart's, you know, as like these three amazing women who really mm -hmm. represent like what America could be uh, and who were really, they were all trailblazers of their time and I think it would be really awesome if we had like a bunch of dollar bills and they mm -hmm. were like a, like a threesome on it, you know? Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's also very important to notice that um, not only were women in the service already disadvantaged, but being a woman of color was even more tenfold sometimes because of so many limitations and kind of the stigma of you having this certain stereotype or this certain mm -hmm. disadvantage already puts you even farther down. So I think to understand that and to understand where Hazel Yang Lee and Bessie Coleman are coming in is really respectable. Yeah, also like the socioeconomic advantage mm -hmm. that white women had. Like, as we know, uh, both Hazel and Maggie, they had to work to pay for their flying lessons. And that was something that I'm sure was not cheap and really difficult to do. For sure. Yeah. So another question, why is it important for us to learn about it today? I think it is important to learn from our hardships that people faced in the past and the circumstances that they went through to make others more knowledgeable on how to avoid it in the future. And there's so much left of history to keep women out of the spotlight. Everyone just keeps doing that to put in their efforts, but they played a major role 
and the successes of our country and why not recognize them for it mm -hmm. I think it's just the same thing like rep representation is so important and it should be seen not just in history but in films uh, in any sort of walk of, of our life there should be way more representation of how diverse America actually is and it should be something that we take pride in and should be reflected everywhere cool awesome thank you guys so next we're gonna be talking about some Bay Area happenings, what's mm -hmm. relevant now. Um, let's continue on with some Asian American women who are definitely some badasses today. Yes, so it didn't just stop at like two amazing female aviators. Uh, there have been so many incredible Asian American women making history in the US. And there are two women that I particularly want to shout out. Uh, the first one is Tammy Duckworth. Tammy Duckworth, Duckworth made history as not only the first Asian American woman to be elected to Congress, but also the first double amputee to be elected to Congress. Tammy Duckworth uh, was a is a U.S. veteran, and uh, she represents the state of Illinois currently, and made headlines when she breastfed her child on the Congress floor. A badass, if I ever knew one. And then you also have Cecilia Chung. Uh, she is an advocate for transgender rights, LGBTQIA rights, and HIV slash AIDS screenings. She's also a transgender woman herself and is the founder of the San Francisco Transgender Advocacy and Mentorship Organization. And these are just of the few Asian American women killing it out there in the U.S. today. I think it's important to talk about them and celebrate them and really just sort of incorporate them into a narrative of positivity and why, uh, you know, America is a great place. Right. Thank you, Hannah. Mm -hmm. So last but not least, we're going to talk about some stuff that's going on just world worldwide and mm -hmm. some recent news the vegetables so, as i yes. like to say <laughs> <laughs> so i want to start off by commemorating the was well, not really commemorating but kind of commemorating it's the korean war anniversary so this week in history we commemorate the north korean war which began june 25th 1950 and then it was 75 over 75,000 north korean soldiers that invaded South Korea crossed the 38th parallel, and this is, this is really important because it was the first military action that actually took place during the Cold War. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool that we get to look back at it now, and we can respect and understand the war and be able to talk about it nowadays, and we hope to maybe talk about the Korean War more, more so in the next episode. Yeah, also like when you think about history being within living memory, the veterans who fought in the Korean War, they must be pretty old. I know my mm -hmm. grandfather actually did, and he is... 88 so it's really interesting to sort of think about uh, living history and like who we can still talk to and and have like testimonies about things so that's just one example of history you know getting old <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so gonna talk about the hong kong protests so as of june 25th the hong kong protests are still going on despite carrie lamb the city's chief executive indefinitely suspending the extradition bill and that's what caused the initial protests in the first place but now that um, there's only a suspension of it. The protesters are demanding that the law is being withdrawn permanently. Mm -hmm. Lastly, we're going to mention the delay of ICE raids. So President Trump's decision to postpone the mass arrests of immigrant families with deportation orders offered a two-week reprieve to shaken cities and towns Sunday. Um, after Trump threatened these raids a week ago, immigrant rights in Chicago, 
Washington, New York, Bay Area, nationwide, all these groups publicized emergency hotlines, alerted volunteers, and hastily arranged gatherings to teach immigrants what to do if an agent does knock on their door. So these efforts are ongoing since the president called off their raids Saturday. Mm -hmm. So although these ICE raids have been delayed, we really do urge our audience members to be vigilant and to please be educated on your natural rights and seek the proper information and help when you can. And of course, to be just safe on top of everything. Mm -hmm. Yep. So lastly, we're going to do some shout outs and some resources and just wrap up this first episode of What We Talk. Yeah. Okay, so great news. Our publications are now at East Winds Books of Berkeley Yay. and we're excited to work with them on future events as well. So please stay connected to find out what we're going to be working on. Also yes. check out our website on our publication page. We have a bunch of books and resources that we have helped publish and they're really awesome. Uh, like nonfiction history books that really unveil this sort of history that we've been talking about in this podcast. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you want to learn more about some more badass women in war, we're going to shout out a recent book we came out with called Panay Gorillas, and it's on the Pan the Philippines resistance. It's also on our website, so an ebook version and an audiobook mm -hmm. are both available. And if you want to pick up a physical copy, you can also get it at East Winds Books. Yay. And, of course, we're going to invite you to visit our website, again, like Hannah said, PacificAtrocities.org, <laughs> to learn more about not just women in war, but the endless amount of history that we've talked about surrounding Pacific War Asia. And also check out our Instagram, at PacificAtrocities.edu. If you guys have any feedback, please leave a reply or DM us. And thank you for listening in. We hope you enjoyed the first episode of Boba Talk. And we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. drinking boba. Keep drinking it. Bye. <laughs>